Welcome to our newest Hearts Unite the Globe hug patrons. Annie Olchek, we sincerely appreciate your support. Thank you for joining our community and making a difference through Patreon. Judy Miller, thank you for being our first Buzzsprout supporter for Bereave But Still Me. Buzzsprout started a new program where you can actually support the podcast of your choice. There are so many ways you can support Hug. All you have to do is visit our website, heartsunitetheglobe.com, to see how you too can help empower, educate, and enrich the lives of individuals in the CHD and bereaved communities. Thank you all for your continued support. Welcome to Heart to Heart with Anna, featuring your host, Anna Jaworski. Our program is a program designed to empower the CHD or congenital heart defect community. Our program may also help families who have children who are chronically ill by bringing information and encouragement to you in order to become an advocate for your community. Now, here is Anna Jaworski. Welcome to the fifth season of Heart to Heart with Anna. Our theme this season is Miracles Do Happen, and we have a great show today. The development of pediatric cardiology as a field is quite fascinating. Looking at the development of interventional cardiology requires a person to go quite a bit back in time. In 1819, the stethoscope was developed, which allowed for physicians to relate heart murmurs they could hear to the heart defects they found when the bodies were autopsied. When rheumatic fever was rampant all over the world, it became evident that that disease often led to cardiac problems in children. And in the early 20th century, almost every city had a convalescent home and or clinic for children suffering from rheumatic fever. It was in one of those clinics that Dr. Helen Tosig, often referred to as the mother of pediatric cardiology, began her career. Of interest to today's story, though, is the development of a subfield of pediatric cardiology known as interventional pediatric cardiology, which is a branch of cardiology that deals specifically with the catheter-based treatment of structural heart diseases. Dr. William Rashkind, according to Dr. Jacqueline Noonan, can rightfully be called the father of interventional pediatric cardiology thanks to his contribution of a procedure performed in the catheterization lab called balloon atrial septostomy. This procedure allowed babies born with transposition of the great vessels an opportunity to survive long enough after birth for subsequent surgeries to be performed on them when they were stable. According to Dr. Noonan's article, A History of Pediatric Specialties, The Development of Pediatric Cardiology, Rashkind, with his introduction of balloon septostomy, was followed by Gene Kahn's balloon valvuloplasty to open the pulmonary valve. From then on, more and more interventional procedures became available so that today, arteries are opened and stented when needed, coarctations can be repaired, patent ductus arteriosus can be closed, and atrial septal defects and even ventricular septal defects can be closed successfully at cardiac catheterization in some cases. Today's show, A Modern Medical Miracle, features Sharice Roberts, the mother of a modern medical miracle, thanks to interventional cardiology. Sharice Roberts has experienced many miracles in her life. She is extremely blessed to be able to work full-time as an orientation and mobility instructor for people with visual impairments and blindness while raising her two daughters, Belle McKenzie and Charlotte Dakota, with her partner, Daniel. Both of her children have seen a cardiologist around birth, but Shiloh's prenatal detection of her heart defect and further cardiac care have made her a miracle. Within Shiloh's first five weeks of life, she was able to have less invasive methods performed on her heart at All Children's Hospital. 
Over the past two years, her heart has been able to grow and relax and is now within normal limits. Charisse and her family recently relocated from Florida to Maine, and Shiloh now receives cardiac care at Boston Children's Hospital. They have confirmed that Shiloh's outcome is a miracle for her heart defect, pulmonary atresia with intact ventricular septum, with a hypoplastic right ventricle and a patent foramen ovale, also known as an atrial septal defect, or ASD. Shiloh continues to amaze her family and friends, as well as the general public, when they find out about her journey and her defect. Shiloh's story is also posted online at http colon slash slash www.caringbridge.org slash visit slash Robert's Cothran Family, and I'll have that on my website as well. Welcome to Heart to Heart with Anna, Sharice. Thanks so much for having me. Well, I'm so happy to have you here, and I'm very excited to hear your story because I think we're going to discover a lot of miracles in your story today. In your introduction, you told us about your daughter's heart defect, but let's go into a little bit more detail and tell us when her heart defect was discovered and her diagnosis and what options you were given for her. I was just shy of 26 weeks with my pregnancy with Shiloh, and I was sent to a high-risk doctor, a perinatologist, because I was diagnosed with gestational diabetes. And I brought Dan and I brought Belle to the appointment because I assumed that we were just going to the doctor to find out how to care for the gestational diabetes and get to be able to see the new baby so that I could share that joy with my young daughter and Dan. And the first thing that the doctor said to me when I walked through the door was, so you're here because Belle has a hole in her heart, a VSD. And I said, well, yes, she did. She doesn't have one anymore. It's closed. But no, I'm here because I have gestational diabetes. And she said, oh, yeah, well, we're just, you know, going to take a little time and just check Shiloh's heart out just to make sure that everything's okay. And about three to four hours later, she told me that, unfortunately... Things are not okay. Shiloh has hypoplastic right heart syndrome and that we needed to go immediately to a cardiologist the next day. Wow. And that news was rattling. It was just, mm-hmm. I was first off by myself because Dan had to take Belle out of the room, rightfully so. She was only a little over a year old at the time. And so two hours into the appointment, she had it. And so he had left and I texted him and I said, you need to come back right in now. There's something wrong. Yeah, you know something's wrong when an appointment goes on and on and on like that. Usually they seem to be pretty quick because they want to get people in and out as quickly as possible. So when you see your appointment stretching, that can make your nerves start to get crazy. Yes, at the beginning she said, well, we just found something. I'm going to bring in another Mm -hmm. ultrasound tech. And then she Mm -hmm. said, I'm going to bring in another machine. By that time, after our second machine and our second ultrasound tech, Mm -hmm. I definitely knew there was something wrong. And, you know, she was very matter-of-fact. The one amazing miracle was that this doctor actually knew someone that had a child that was born with hypoplastic right heart syndrome. And unfortunately, she said she didn't make it because they didn't diagnose it ahead of time. Oh, wow. And so she said to us, 
I'm so glad that I found this. I'm so mad at those other doctors that they didn't look in your health history, that they didn't notice mm-hmm. that you had written what you wrote about Belle. Mm-hmm. And the 20-week ultrasound really didn't show much other than that she had four chambers. They don't do a color flow on that 20-week ultrasound. She did a color flow and immediately saw there was no blood flow through the pulmonary valve, and there was a significant amount of regurgitation through the tricuspid valve on the right side of the heart. And she knew that they couldn't mm-hmm. see that, but... Just to overlook that one fact in the health history made her just furious. Yeah, because we know that families who have one child with a congenital heart defect have a slightly higher opportunity of having another child with a heart defect. So it made sense for her to be attuned to that and to be a little bit more cautious, even though it looks like Belle is perfectly fine and she just had an innocent hole in her heart that just closed on its own, right? Correct. Mm-hmm. So and it sounds like you had an excellent echo tech who knew what she was doing. So tell us about the actual diagnosis from a cardiologist. Like I said, immediately we had an appointment the next day to see a cardiologist. I didn't really like what he had to say. And now reflecting back on it, I understand what he was saying. But he said, well, we don't know how she's developed thus far. We only know what she is now, and we need to wait and see. And I really can't give you any information until we wait and see, and we see how she develops throughout the pregnancy. And mm-hmm. I need information. So I didn't like that response, and I said, I'm going <laughs> back to Belle's cardiologist, and I want to know what she has to say because she's done nothing but good for Belle. So we made an appointment within a couple of days, and another three- to four-hour appointment, my mom joined me mm-hmm. for this one, and she confirmed the diagnosis of hypoplastic right heart syndrome. And she said that she was at Arnold Palmer Hospital, and she said the only way that they deal with this condition is the BT shunt, the Glenn, the Fontan. And she said that if after birth they find collaterals in Shiloh's heart, that that would mean heart transplant. She said there's no other way to deal with this situation. This is it. It confused me mm-hmm. in the sense that one doctor says, well, it's a wait and see. I can't give you any information. And this other doctor is very sure of this is the way we handle it. And the thing I said mm-hmm. to that cardiologist was, does Arnold Palmer do heart transplants? And she said, no, unfortunately not. Your only options are all Children's Hospital or Shan's Hospital. And mm-hmm. I thanked her, but I knew that if we were talking about heart transplants, I had to get with a hospital, with a group that could do that if a worst-case scenario. I didn't want my child being right. life-flooded from other hospitals. Right. So I went back to the perinatologist and told her what the two cardiologists said, and she said, well, wait, I didn't want you seeing that one cardiologist at Florida Hospital. I wanted you seeing this cardiologist, so I'm going to call. I'm going to go to personal appointment for you, and within a week, we were back at Florida Hospital seeing a different cardiologist, and Dr. Garcia was the first person that gave us hope, the first person that said to us, yes, there are the options of the three series surgeries, but there is another option, and mm-hmm. we can use catheterizations to open the pulmonary valve, and we can use it to stent the PDA, and we can give Shiloh the opportunity to see what she's made of, to see what she is capable of doing, in a less invasive manner, and if it doesn't work, we can always go back to the other option. It's still on the table, but why not give her the chance? And unfortunately, his hospital had not yet fully opened their 
cardiac unit, so they could not do those procedures, and he said, the best chance you have is to get her to all children's. I'll get you a full. I'll connect you with the doctors you need to see. I want to still be involved, but this is your best chance, and the perinatologist agreed completely and said, yes, this is the best place for you to go. Wow. So the third time was the charm. It took the third cardiologist to actually give you the information that you really needed to hear, that you had more options than what the other two cardiologists, I mean, one wasn't giving you many options at all, let's just wait and see, and the other one had really limited your options. So you must have been kind of excited when this other gentleman made it sound like possibly there was a way for her to be cured without even having open heart surgery, much less a heart transplant, which is a really option. For some people, it's the only option, but it looks like you had a lot more than that going for you. We were extremely lucky. Yeah, you were in the right place at the right time thanks to that perinatologist. Well, this has been so exciting to talk about, but we need to take a quick commercial break. Don't leave yet, listeners, because coming up next, we're going to talk to Sharice about what other miracles. I think we just heard a couple in this first segment, but let's find out what other miracles she has witnessed thanks to her daughter's wonderful life. We'll be right back. Anna Jaworski has written several books to empower the congenital heart defect, or CHD, community. These books can be found at Amazon.com or at her website, www.babyheartspress.com. Her bestseller is The Heart of a Mother, an anthology of stories written by women for women in the CHD community. Anna's other books, My Brother Needs an Operation, The Heart of a Father, and Hypoplastic Left Heart Syndrome, a handbook for parents will help you understand that you are not alone. Visit babyheartspress.com to find out more. Welcome back to our show, Heart to Heart with Anna, a show for the congenital heart defect community. Today's show is a modern medical miracle and features Sharice Roberts, the mother of a modern medical miracle. And we just finished talking with Sharice about her daughters and their medical history and their congenital heart defects. But now we're going to talk to Sharice about the miracles that she has witnessed. I would really say that probably the first miracle was Belle being cured with no intervention. I think that's so wonderful. And there are a lot of children who are born with quote-unquote holes in their heart, which is usually a VSC or an ASD, and so many of them are called innocent murmurs, and they do go away on their own. But to me, knowing as much as I do about cardiac care now, I think every time that happens, it's a miracle. But it sounds to me like it was also a miracle, but through a lot of human intervention that you ended up with this wonderful cardiologist who is sending you to the right center. So let's talk a little bit more about what happened with Shiloh Sharice and what miracles you've witnessed in Shiloh's life. The miracle started before she was born. First off, I was finishing my internship in orientation and mobility, and I realized, I think I'm pregnant. And I was just about to go for a job interview in Cincinnati, actually, Ohio. And I went for the interview, and I liked the job, but I thought, realistically, I don't have health insurance that covers pregnancies. So if I move halfway across the country with no insurance, I won't have insurance to have this baby with pre-existing conditions and all those wonderful things, and the insurance I'd be getting at this job wouldn't take effect until three days before she was scheduled to be born. And at that time, I had no idea that she had a congenital heart defect. So I decided to stay in Florida and take a job where I was doing my internship, and that allowed me to keep my pregnancy coverage through the state of Florida, And luckily, because she had a congenital heart defect, that we were now set up better for health insurance. So that was the first one. The second one was 
being paired with these doctors to find that perinatologist, for that perinatologist to send us to the right cardiologist and that cardiologist to send us to all children's. I mean, miracles beyond miracles. Finding the defect, obviously, was a huge miracle. Someone actually reading the health history to realize that maybe (laughs) we needed to look at Shiloh. I mean, that, to me, is the biggest miracle because without that, they told us that she would be born a normal baby. Mm -hmm. Nothing would be wrong. She would look probably a little maybe blue, maybe. And then you'd take her home, her PDA would close, and then we'd be immediately in the hospital with emergency open-heart surgery or maybe even far worse of losing her altogether. The other thing was the fact that these procedures worked at all children. So not just we got there, we got the right doctors, we got everything in order, but when they went to do her balloon valvioplasty, they found that there was actually this tiny, tiny, tiny hole that they were able to put the cast through and they were able to balloon her pulmonary valve, and when they did, her pulmonary valve tore on the leaflets. Most kids, it just explodes, and hers didn't. It actually is a fully functioning pulmonary valve to this day with a little bit of regurgitation. We don't even know that she may need a valve replacement at some point, or she may not at all. We don't know. Also, on top of that, they kept saying to us, I don't know that we can do this PDA. It's very contorted. It's very twisted. We may get in there and realize we can't do this at all. And they got in there, and they had a surgeon on standby, and it worked. And we didn't wow. have to have the shot. Yeah, that's a miracle, that she didn't require the blood toxic shunt, even though she was diagnosed with hypoplastic right heart syndrome. And as many of our listeners know, babies who are diagnosed with hypoplastic left syndrome, usually that first surgery, if it's not a transplant, is a BT shunt. So the fact that the balloon valvuloplasty worked well enough that they didn't have to do the BT shunt, that's, that is pretty miraculous. That is amazing. But I think you and I are seeing that miracles happen all around us. And I think those of us in the heart community, we're privy to even more miracles, witnessing them with our own eyes and in our own families. So what do you think was the greatest miracle that you've experienced since you've had your two beautiful girls? I think her growth. I think that watching her over the past two and a half years, knowing and talking with families that have obviously had situations that are far worse than us. I almost feel guilty being happy of the success that Shiloh has had, knowing that there are other families that are diagnosed with congenital heart defects that it doesn't go as well. There are complications. Mm -hmm. There are other things. And she has avoided all of that so far, and she has grown. She has no problems with gaining weight. She's always been a good eater and feeder, and she's impressed them. She's amazed them because when she eats, her saturations don't go down, they go up. Oh, wow. Also, the fact that that right ventricle was small and it was hypoplastic, it was still pumping, but it really wasn't able to fill and relax. And just watching her grow over the two and a half years, for them to say to us at an appointment, it's now within normal limits. It's small normal, Mm -hmm. but it's there. And it's Mm -hmm. still growing, and we just hope and pray for continued growth. It's just amazing. So really, she lost her diagnosis. Now she's not really a hypoplastic right ventricle baby because that right ventricle is within normal limits. So now, really, she has a different diagnosis. She's still a complex congenital heart kid. (laughs) She had to have intervention within the first year of life. But now it doesn't seem like it's so life-threatening. It doesn't seem like it's quite as scary. Agreed. 
I am astounded by the miracles that you have witnessed with your two girls, but especially with Shiloh. It's very unusual for us to have the hyperplastic heart baby that doesn't have feeding issues. So for her to be developing normally that way, wow, that's a huge blessing. Not just a miracle, but a huge blessing as well. I'm so curious having two daughters with heart defects like you have, even though one resolved on its own, and it's almost like Shiloh's has started to resolve on its own, but of course she did have intervention to help it on its way. Is that something that runs in your family? Does congenital heart defects run in your family or your partner's family? No, not at all. They did the whole, you know, genetic background and makeup on us, and as far as we know, nobody had a congenital heart defect. Obviously, modern medicine has advanced a lot since my grandparents were around. And so it's possible that there could have been undiagnosed congenital heart defects. I did have an uncle that died of a heart attack laughing at ducks in the yard. And they never knew that he just collapsed and died. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. I don't think it did. The interesting thing is they still to this day don't classify Bell as having congenital heart defect because of the incidental finding and everything. So they only say that we only have one child with a congenital heart defect. And so there is mixed reviews from cardiologists as to are they related? Is it possible that Bell's incidental finding is tied to Shiloh's finding? Is it possible that if we decided to have more children down the line, would we have a larger heart defects or more severe heart defects with future children because of Bell and then Shiloh? But we just don't know. Some people say, nope, they're not related at all. Wow. Just shows, though, that the doctor's picking up on bells. That was a miracle because I think that there are a lot of children who go home from the hospital without even knowing they have a VSD that's tiny. I mean, you said the size of a pinhead for a bell. I mean, that's yes. tiny. So it does seem like that was a bit of a miracle. But thank heavens because had it not been for that, then Shiloh's heart defect might not have been caught. Exactly. It's a miracle. It is a miracle, and we have to take another quick commercial break, but don't leave yet, listeners, because coming up next, we're going to talk to Sharice about what advice she has to offer parents of children who have been diagnosed in utero with a congenital heart defect. We'll be right back. Anna Jaworski has spoken around the world at congenital heart defect events, and she is available as a keynote or guest speaker for your event. Go to hearttoheartwithanna.com to learn more about booking Anna for your event. You can also find out more about the radio program. Keep up to date with CHD resources and information about advocacy groups, as well as read Anna's weekly blog. Anna wants you to stay well-connected and participate in the CHD community. Visit hearttoheartwithanna.com today. Welcome back to our show, Heart to Heart with Anna, a show for the congenital heart defect community. Today's show is a modern medical miracle and features Sharice Roberts, the mother of a modern medical miracle, and I would even venture to say the mother of two modern medical miracles, her two beautiful daughters, Belle and Shiloh. And we just finished talking to Sharice about the miracles that she's witnessed in the course of her life. And we only have a few minutes left, but I would love to give Sharice an opportunity to share some advice with us. So first of all, Sharice, what advice do you have for a couple like you and Dan who find out that their unborn child is going to be born with a congenital heart defect? And what do you think it is that they need to know to optimize their child's quality of life? I think one of the things that you have to realize, first off, is that you speak for your child. You are your child's greatest advocate. There is nobody else that can speak for them, both in utero and after they're born. It's hard. And the other thing 
that you have to remember is to take the time to grieve the loss of your typical, normal child because it's important to realize that there is a transition and that we do have to take that time out to say, I have to deal with this emotionally and then I have to move past it and now cherish the child that I am given. Mm-hmm. Always look for the best care and never be afraid to get second or third or fourth <laughs> opinions because if that. you don't, there's questions. There will always be a sense of guilt. What if I decide one thing versus another? And you just have to decide what you're going to do. But if you don't ask enough questions, you don't get enough answers. And you can't be, mm-hmm. you know, an educated consumer. You can't be an educated mm-hmm. advocate and healthcare provider mm-hmm. for your child. And right. give them a normal childhood. I mean, that was something yeah. that was still is super hard for me. And nobody could tell me enough. Just treat them like a normal kid. They can do some lessons. They can do this. They can do that. Mm-hmm. And just... Follow their lead. If they say they need a break, then they need a break. I just allow them to have as many normal experiences as possible. Mm-hmm. And when they get sick, it's part of the process. Luckily, not a lot of illnesses, but when we get colds, it takes forever to get over those mm-hmm. colds. And I'm paranoid. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, my gosh, should I go to the pediatrician now? Should I go now? Should I go now? <laughs> um, it's just part of it. You know? I'm laughing because I've been there. <laughs> I know exactly yeah. what you feel like with that and once again that goes back to being your child's best advocate and not being afraid to ask the questions and you know what I felt that way as a first time mom when do I need to go to the pediatrician when Joey got sick and he didn't have a heart defect so I totally understand what you're saying with let your child have a normal childhood but also to be alerted that when our heart kids get sick, it's not the same as when our heart-healthy children get sick. And you will probably question yourself whether or not you should take your child in. And I always erred on the side of caution. If I was worried and I was asking myself, should I go in, should I go in, then I went in. (laughs) Because I would rather err on the side of caution and not have to worry that something was wrong with Alex. And for us, that worked out. How has that worked out with you and Shiloh? Exactly. It's hard because I've always said the worst answer you can get is no. No question is a stupid question, but then you're thinking in your brain, well, they could say no, or they could think this is a stupid question. I remember calling cardiology about a rash that developed that Shiloh got, these pinprick rashes, and I'm on the Internet doing research, which is good and bad, and all I keep seeing is all these things that, oh, well, if she has this rash, and if you put a glass over and it doesn't disappear, then they could be septic and heart-related, and blah, blah, blah. And I called them up, and I said, oh, she has this rash, and the cardiologist said to me, why are you calling me? Why are you not calling your pediatrician? I don't deal with rashes, and I felt stupid, but I thought, well, at least I called you and asked that question, and you said, call your pediatrician, and I said, okay, I'll call my pediatrician, no problem. Right, and then when the pediatrician said, have you talked to your cardiologist, you could say, yes, because that was always one of the first questions my pediatrician said. Have you called the cardiologist about this? Exactly. (laughs) It's funny because the cardiologist wants you to call the pediatrician, but the pediatrician wants to know if you've talked to the cardiologist. So the good thing is when you have a good setup and the pediatric cardiologist and the pediatrician are in good communications with each other. But I agree with you. I think that getting as much information as possible, and we are lucky that today we have the Internet, that we can look at just about anything we need to look at we can find on the Internet. However, like you said, sometimes that can cause you to panic because not everything that's out on the Internet is factual. 
factually correct, and it can cause us to become unnecessarily concerned. And that's why I was curious what your advice was for these parents of unborn children, because there's a lot of advice out there on the Internet. But I think what you said about getting that second opinion or third or fourth, however many opinions it takes for you to feel satisfied, you weren't satisfied till you met the third cardiologist. That's when you felt like, okay, this is the right person for our daughter. And sometimes it does take going to more than one person. One thing that I've heard over the years is people concerned about the expense. Not all insurances will pay for you to get that second or third or fourth opinion. What do you think about that? I gratefully never ran into that. I guess I just had really great coverage, and I actually have never run into that. I've had three different insurance companies over Shiloh's young life. I've had Medicaid through the state of Florida. I've had Humana, and I've had Blue Cross Blue Shield. And actually, I take that back. I have a new one now. I have Aetna. And I've never had an issue with any of my insurances allowing me to get second or even third or even fourth opinions. Like you, we had good coverage, so maybe that's another piece of advice for parents is make sure you have the right medical coverage because not all insurance policies are alike. Let's go on to the next question. It seems that more and more children are benefiting, just like Shiloh did, from interventional cardiology. So what advice would you give to parents who have been told that their child might also benefit from interventional cardiology? When we did our cast originally, she was impatient. She was a baby. I didn't actually know what I was going to, other than the emotional roller coaster that you go through, waiting and waiting for someone to call you to say how things are going, giving your child over to someone and not knowing whether you'll see them again. Now, we just went through a cast, actually, last week at Boston Children's, and now she's two and a half, and I had no idea what I was going into. And the one thing I can say is that there is... A time after the cast, which is called laying flat time, and it can be mm-hmm. any amount. We had four hours where I had to have a two-and-a-half-year-old lay flat in a bed. Mm-hmm. And she had medication to keep her laying flat, but that wore off, I would say, very quickly. Mm-hmm. And I had to be prepared as a parent to do whatever it took to help her lay flat, watching TV, playing on the iPad, playing with a toy sideways and being imaginative <laughs> Um, just trying to be creative as to keep her mind elsewhere than realizing that she had to lay flat. And also being open to all possibilities because you could have a complication or you may not have a complication. There were families there that had complications and had to stay over, and we were, again, miracle. They told us she was going to have to stay over, and after four hours they said, you can go home. You're done. And she had no swelling, and she did awesome. She had very little issues with the anesthesia, and I can only say that we're blessed. I feel like I'm bragging, but I want parents to know that there are successes. Success stories like yours and like my son's can help parents have something to look to that is a good outcome. I mean, my son is going to be 21 next month. I can't believe it. That much time has gone by already, but he will be 21 years old, and I remember wondering if he'd ever make it to 21 weeks to 21 months. The thought of him becoming a 21-year-old man, that to me was a miracle. And so I think that what you've experienced with not even having to have the open-heart surgery but having a catheterization and having such a wonderful outcome, that's something that we can hold up as hope for the future families that are coming down the line and are being told that their babies may be born with a congenital heart defect. I love all of your stories, Cherise. This has gone by so fast. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to share our story. I very much appreciate it.
Well, it's a beautiful story, and I hope everyone has a chance to look at the slideshow because we have so many beautiful photos of Charisse's family that you have to take a moment and go look at them. You'll see on the Facebook event site that there's one picture, and in the e-card I send out, there's one photo. But when you go to the slideshow on Blog Talk Radio, you get to see the whole thing, and it's a lot more fun that way. So thank you, everybody, for listening to our show today. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. And that does conclude today's episode of Heart to Heart with Anna. Thanks for listening, and Come back next week on Tuesday at noon Eastern Time. Until then, please find and like us on Facebook. Check out our website, hearttoheartwithanna.com, and our Cafe Press Boutique. Follow our radio show on Blog Talk Radio and Spreaker. And remember, my friends, you are not alone. Thank you again for joining us this week. We hope you've been inspired and empowered to become an advocate for the congenital heart defect community. Heart to Heart with Anna, with your host, Anna Jaworski, can be heard every Tuesday at 12 noon Eastern Time. We'll talk again next week. Mm